1: Eighteen plus. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a liftoff.
0: It is eight after the hour. It is Eric Erickson here on WSB. This is Atlanta's evening news. The phone number is 750 One eight hundred WSB Talk. And I will spend a generous amount of time on your phone calls tonight since I didn't take any last night because there was too much to talk about last night. There is tonight as well, but I figure I can't go two days with avoiding you people. <laughs> um, real quick, uh, you know, the, the show is going to start uh, starting January 3rd at 4 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. Um, and we will run until 6, then Aram from 6 to 8, and Hannity's second and third hour 8 to 10. Just keep that in mind. Before I get into the president withdrawing from Syria, we need to talk about Renee Unterman withdrawing from the the Senate Health Committee here in the state, or at least should be made to not be chairperson of the committee, chairman of the committee, chairwoman of the committee, whatever vocabulary it doesn't offend you. Uh, Renee Unterman is a metro atlanta republican she's one of the ones who routinely tried to kill uh, medical marijuana legislation and basically any other legislation relating to health care she couldn't get credit for she's been more of an impediment than anything else to health care reform in the state and one reason is because she is desperate to expand obamacare in the state of georgia renee unterman is a republican who is desperate to expand obamacare she is also the state senator who would be in charge of any committee probably dealing with pro-life legislation because of the health care situation. And she came out last week and said that she expects, hopes, wants, and will work to ensure that the legislature in Georgia kills RIFRA, kills any pro-gun legislation, and kills any pro-life legislation. She did not want any of it happening because the suburbs, the suburbs. For some reason, some of her fans in the legislature think that she – is going to be their ticket to get back into the suburbs, uh, which is insanity. Uh, And nonetheless, she thinks that she should be the chair of the health committee. I got to tell you, Brian Kemp is coming in as governor. The Republicans uh, need to make sure their base understands they're not being taken for granted. It is politically tone deaf to have someone in this position come out and say they need to expand Obamacare. They need to stop pro-life legislation and they need to stop uh, gun legislation. To then be in charge of that committee. If you see your state senator over the weekend, if you see them over Christmas, if you interact with your state senator, if you interact with Jeff Duncan, who will be the lieutenant governor, you should strongly suggest to them that she should not chair any committee. Renee Unterman should not chair any committee. She's already out there sabotaging the goodwill earned after this election with conservatives, particularly in in rural and exurban areas, to say she wants to expand. By the way, you should know the Democrats are lining up behind her. Uh, Several Democrats have come out now and said, oh, yes, 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 we want Renee in charge. That should be your big red flag right there, that she shouldn't be in charge of the health committee in the Senate. So please keep that in mind. If you see any member of the state Senate or the lieutenant governor-elect you should probably advise them that Renee Unterman really doesn't need to be put in charge of any committee that oversees uh, health care reform or any other health or pro-life legislation in the state. They really don't want to do this. They'll be shooting themselves in the foot if they do. So please keep that in mind now. All right. So we are withdrawing troops from Syria, and I think this is a very bad move. The president is telling people that we have beaten ISIS in Syria. Now, the defense department says that 20% of the country is still uh in the throes of ISIS. That ISIS still covers still still controls 20% of the area in Syria. The president says we have beaten ISIS and so we can get out of Syria. I think I will trust the president's advisors who are telling him that ISIS is still in control of 20% of Syria. Remember when Barack Obama decided to walk back, uh, ISIS suddenly started growing again, even though he said they were contained. In fact, I want to play you this audio from President Obama in 2015. Listen to his statement at the time.
1: ISIS is gaining strength, aren't they? Well, I don't think they're gaining strength. What is true is, is that from the start, our goal has been first to contain. And we have contained them. They have not gained ground in Iraq. And in Syria, it, they'll come in, they'll leave. Uh, but you don't see the systematic march by ISIL uh, across the
0: terrain. You know, so Obama always liked to call them ISIL instead of ISIS. Um, nonetheless, right after the president said this, reports started trickling out that ISIS had made gains and started locking in territory. In Western Iraq and Eastern Syria. Well, they've still got uh, territory in Iraq and Syria, and people there are still running for their lives. For President Trump to come out and say ISIS has been beaten in Syria is as much a lie as Barack Obama saying they were contained in Syria. That's just a fact. Our own Defense Department says that is not true. General Mattis says it is not true. For the president to now leave Syria is problematic. But, 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 but there is a catch here. Is the president leaving Syria because he's abandoning American positions there against ISIS? Or is he leaving Syria to allow the Turks to come in and clean up? That is a question I don't have an answer to. And in the best-case scenario of readings of conversations the president has had over the last week, maybe that actually is what's happening. The reason I say it that way is the president apparently has had a series of conversations with the Turkish president and in the course of those conversations has agreed to allow the Turks to buy uh, Patriot missile batteries, and essentially has agreed to allow, to stand aside, clear out Syria of American military presence, and let the Turks come in. That suggests to me that Turkey is planning on mounting a military operation. If Turkey is mounting a military operation to go in into Syria, well then, you know what? Um, maybe this is the right way to do it. Let the Turks storm Syria. The problem, though, is that this could escalate the situation with Russia. The Russians and the Turks are allies, and we gotta we gotta deal with that situation. Um, if Turkey comes into Syria, where remember, Turkey, NATO, um, if they move into Syria, and suddenly they the Russians decide to push back. Well, we're under defense treaty obligations to support Turkey. And that in and of itself could be really problematic. Uh, I think we've got to be very, very, very careful with how we proceed on these issues today. Uh, I think the president has to be very, very careful with what's going on there. Uh, We do, however, know that... Turkey appears to be willing to go into Syria, and we do know that it appears we are willing to defend the Turks and provide them missile batteries for whatever they're about to do. The problem is we don't actually know what they're about to do, and that should be concerning to all of us. Uh, we we don't. I think it's it, I think it's faced, uh, fair to say, if I can talk, it is fair to say that we don't want an escalation of the situation in Turkey. I think that is a very fair thing Or in Syria. We don't want an escalation. It would be bad for all of us to have a major escalation by Turkey if something were to happen with the Russians. At the same time, I do kind of wonder why we need to stay there. I do kind of wonder what's in our national interest in Syria. I understand what's in our national interest if it means wiping out ISIS. I do. I get that. And I'm not necessarily sure that leaving Basar al-Assad in the position of power in Syria isn't a bad thing. I, he's, he's a terrible person. But let him wage war against ISIS with the Russians. The Russians hate ISIS, too. I just don't know that they are. You know, Marco Rubio is out on social media right now pointing out, uh, you know who's really supportive of the decision to retreat from Syria? That would be the Russians. The Russians are actually, their embassy is tweeting out praising the U.S. decision to, to pull troops and citizens out of Syria, creating good prospects for a political solution for the country. You know who really hates, really, really, really hates us getting out of Syria? Uh, That would be Israel and Saudi Arabia. Why? Because the Syrians have been backing Hezbollah, the terrorist regime. This is really, really complicated, was done really on the spur of the moment, and really caught the Defense Department flat-footed. Makes you wonder if there's something going on here none of us know about. But if that is the case, the pushback from senators today, particularly those on the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, not reassuring that anybody knows what's going on or why the president is doing this if he's only doing it on the spur of the moment. And then, of course, there are the Kurds, who are really good allies of ours, who were completely caught off guard by this, and will probably be wiped out by the Syrians. And if we're willing to abandon our allies to be wiped out by bad guys— in Syria, what about the rest of the world? What are they going to look at us and say? When are we going to be abandoned by the Americans? It is 26 after the hour. The phone number is 404 1 800 WSB Talk. Now, I need to go, to uh, Craig, in coming, uh, I need to take your call, Craig, because I got something for you when you talk to me about this.
1: Fantastic, and Merry Christmas to you, Eric. You too. I, I, from what I'm hearing is I think a pullout from Syria, from what my thinking is, now would that give the budgetary amount to Trump to be able to build the wall in Mexico? Because basically if we have the budgeted money for Syria and if we're not there anymore— couldn't he then
0: transfer and build the wall 10.6 billion dollars yes you would think that Craig but you know where they're spending the money now you don't don't cuss on the radio Craig when I tell you this and I'm not making this up you know where the Syria money is actually going to go to the foreign aid budget for Mexico Guatemala Nicaragua Honduras Panama Costa Rica and El Salvador wow yep that's where they're spending the money the president agreed to it this afternoon yeah
1: I mean, unbelievable. I mean, if we're worried about borders of security and security for the United States, I mean, I've, you've, I've heard the argument before, as you've stated, maybe spending all the money in Guatemala and taking care of it there and stopping the caravans from coming to the United States would make sense. But, but if- we,
0: we we need the wall as well. I got to let you go there because we have hard break. But yes, folks, I want to talk about this when we come back. We're the president has signed off on a plan. Ten billion dollars in foreign aid to Central America. Ten point six, to be precise. And no wall. I'll give you the details when we come back. It's 39 after the hour. The phone number, 404 872 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. Yes, I, as I mentioned, the president and Democrats have agreed $10.6 million in aid to Mexico and Central America. There will be no wall. The president says he will move that fight until next year when Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House. Uh, there's not enough stomach of outgoing Republicans in the House and Senate to give the president the wall. In fact, that's one of the sticking points is a lot of these Republicans, remember the president had that press conference the day after the election and was ridiculing Mia Love and others? Well, they're not going to give him his wall. Um, And the Democrats next year aren't going to give him the wall either, probably. So there will be no wall. There will be $10.6 billion in foreign aid. Now, listen... I, if you've listened to this program, I, I support increasing foreign aid to those countries to try to help them deal with their problems. But I also support the wall, and I would not give them ten billion dollars in foreign aid. Uh, I was thinking more like two. Right now, we give them nine hundred million. So give them give them two two billion dollars, and then spend eight billion on the wall. The Republicans wanted five. There should be a wall. We should be able to secure the border. I'm totally in favor of the wall. Uh, But this is just crazy by the president. So we're going to withdraw from Syria and any money that's saved there is going to go to foreign aid in Central America and there's going to be no wall. I I just cuckoo. Uh, Sarah Sanders is saying we're not fully withdrawing from Syria. We're fully withdrawing from Syria. By the way, you should know the Defense Department is vehemently opposed to this. Uh, I'm not making that up. Uh, the department of defense officials, it is being reported by pretty much every news outlet are outraged at the president doing this. I wonder how much longer general Mattis is going to stay there. Now, the president is also thinking of withdrawing from, from Afghanistan and I'm rapidly growing in favor of that. I don't see why we still need to be there, but if he does that, he, he does this with, um, Turkey, giving them the Patriot missile The Senate is rebuking the president for sticking with Saudi Arabia and Yemen, and we're withdrawing from Syria pretty immediately. I don't know how much longer Secretary Mattis is going to want to stick around in that position. This is deeply problematic, and it's problematic with the president's base as well. Um, They may like the withdrawal from Syria, although I think this is a real issue, a problematic issue, because we haven't contained ISIS. They're not on the run, as so many people have said, and we haven't fixed. We've been working to contain them in Syria, but here's the issue. The Russians and the Syrians, you need to understand this dynamic here. The Russians and the Syrians aren't fighting ISIS. The Russians and the Syrians are fighting an insurgent insurrection against the Syrian government. And ISIS is part of that, but only partly. Only the United States was going into Syria and focusing more than 50% of our effort on ISIS. We were basically 70, 30, 30%. We were helping the insurgents. They're getting help from other countries as well. And we were 70% engaged in dealing with ISIS and no one else was. So if we leave Syria, there's no one there to meaningfully engage against ISIS. And unlike what the president said, they're not contained there and they're not beaten there. That is deeply problematic. By the way, you should know that it was eight days ago, eight days ago, that uh, the Trump administration said that a pull out of Syria would be reckless. And now we're pulling out. And Israel is opposed. Saudi Arabia is opposed. um, The military is opposed. The State Department is opposed. Uh, our European allies are opposed. But the president's ready to go. Uh, okay. I, there's. It just it begs the question of what is going on there. I have no idea. Uh, the Russians are really happy about it, though. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Warren in Cedartown, you're next. Welcome.
1: Hey, Eric. Uh, my question is, what, uh, so what happens with the Kurds? Because the Kurds were the very first ones to actually stand up to ISIS and defeat them and start pushing them back in that area. And so, you know what, are we going to abandon the Kurds again like we did three years ago? Uh,
0: apparently we're abandoning the Kurds. They are deeply unhappy about this today. The, the, uh, the Kurdish officials in Washington are really, really upset and are pressuring members of the Senate to see if they can pressure the president. Uh, they're just not happy with it. And honestly, I, I don't blame them. Um, the Kurds, not only did they step up and, and fight ISIS, they were the ones who held the line against Saddam Hussein. And they were the ones who really helped us uh, against Saddam Hussein and helped us against the Syrian regime as well. And for us to be doing this and putting so many of their lives in jeopardy is a real problem. Now, listen, I, I get the complaint. We don't want to be there forever. I get that. And I get the a lot of people say this doesn't help our national security. When it, This actually does help our national security. And I realize people do a poor job of explaining it. But let me give my best effort here. The eastern part of Syria is a no man's land of just hell and waste. And ISIS has established a stronghold there. And given the position there, ISIS has easy access to Iraq, Turkey, and Syria. And ISIS can build in that area and solidify its positions, which is what it had been doing until we began to systematically eliminate them. Us withdrawing from Syria will allow the ISIS stronghold to grow again. Do you notice? Do you notice that we haven't had any terrorist attacks in the United States in the last couple of years? Uh, backed with people who supported ISIS. We had the the Orlando shooter. We had the San Bernardino situation. We've had several others. We haven't. And, and, you know, we had the, the shooter in Nevada. ISIS took credit for that. And we haven't had any of those in the last few years as we have been pushing back ISIS and stamping them out. But we haven't finished the job yet. And for us to withdraw, we'll allow them to start regrouping in Syria, where we have been the only international group in there really with sustained attacks, wiping out ISIS. The president says that we have beaten ISIS in Syria. The Defense Department says they still control 20% of the territory in Syria. Who are you going to believe? The president or all of the people the president pays to advise him. Well, interest rates are going up a quarter point. Uh, The Federal Reserve raising interest rates. The president very unhappy uh, with his Federal Reserve chief, and he's blaming the people who recommended the president put that person there. Oh, uh, well, things you need to know. Let's see. Yeah, I've got time for a phone call. Uh, Michael in Norcross, you're next. Thanks for being patient.
1: Hi, uh, Merry Christmas to you. You too. Um, well, I as I was telling your uh, call screener there, I just think that uh, uh, Trump is systematically handing the re-election to the Democrats with his decisions, a uh, tariff decision that's affecting people's uh, money, which you don't ever mess with. It uh, cost more to buy a car. Um, it's hurting the farmers, which are the southern uh, part of the voting uh, country. It's hurting uh, people trying to buy cars, which hurts the northern part of the country. And this latest decision, <clears throat> I would be opposed to it as well. Israel is probably the only ally that has stood with us from pretty much their inception as a country till now. And we're doing yet something again to abandon them. And um I voted for Trump last time um mainly just to keep Hillary out of office but if the election were held today I wouldn't vote for him and I'm afraid that um Well you know we'll it's see interesting see his you say that face, Michael. but not either
0: Yeah you know 70% of Republicans are staying with the president but that's actually down 20% it's 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 a problem for him and uh, the tariffs issue you know Sonny Perdue former governor of Georgia now the agriculture secretary is authorizing 5 billion dollars more in payments to farmers, the national debt is becoming a huge issue. Um, The president looks like he's on track to add as much to it as Barack Obama did at the same rate, which is not good. Republicans were very upset with Barack Obama's adding to the national debt. And then there is, uh, you know, there's a story in the Wall Street Journal, I'll get to in a little bit, that we have a cheese glut in this country. Believe it or not, uh, our nation overproduces cheese Because we export so much cheese, we consume a lot and then we export a lot. Well, no one's buying American cheese because of the tariffs and the cheese manufacturers in this country are starting to get hurt. They're starting to think they're going to have to lay people off. Um, It just... There's a cascading effect on all of these things. Now, the phone number here is one 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, related to this, the Politico says President Trump's re-election is going to be unprecedented. They've said this before, though. They have. I want to compare the last time they said it with now. Eric Erickson here, 9 after the hour, Atlanta's evening news. The full number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, just looking on social media during the break, the president's supporters kind of livid over giving $10 billion to Central America and not building the wall. Uh, the Russians, however, are very happy today. Between withdrawal from Syria and the president deciding to lift uh, sanctions on the Russian oligarchs, uh, real happy. Um, it's just the whole thing is weird today. Very, very, very weird. Um, <laughs> man, and Mick Mulvaney walking into all of this. Okay. Um, look, I, I the Politico has a story up today. The the president is he is running an unprecedented re-election campaign. And what makes it so unprecedented is that basically the president is taking over the Republican National Committee and making it an arm of the campaign. Usually the campaign and the, the political committees are separate. They may also move the entire campaign apparatus outside of Washington, D.C., and the Politico says this is absolutely unprecedented. Except that's the exact same story they wrote when Barack Obama ran for re-election in 2012. In 2012, you will recall the president. Um, in 20 in 2008, he left everything in Chicago. In 2012, moved everything outside of Washington and consolidated the DNC and the operations. I this is this is not unprecedented. Um, it, it sounds like the Republicans. This was a spin job by the Republicans. They were successful at it. It's just it's it's not that big a deal, and I've seen a whole lot of people get really excited about this today that this is unprecedented, and it it certainly shows the president is serious about re-election. It does, but it's just not that big of a deal, and I'm not sure why it's gotten so much media attention today. Uh, now, here's the thing. Um, I am headed on vacation for Christmas, and so I want to spend as much time with you guys as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so we're going to take your phone calls this hour. 404-872-0750. wsb talk Those are the numbers. Uh, also, uh, don't forget, I will return for the Christmas show. And if you want a copy of it because you're traveling, you need to subscribe to the podcast of this show anyway, in case you ever miss anything. Um, but you can text the word show to 444-999 to get the podcast of this show. I'll send you the link back. Um, right now, though, I want to go on and start taking phone calls. I want to start with John and Dunwoody. Welcome.
1: Hey, Eric, how are you? Merry Christmas to your family and your staff. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you very much. Uh, Tea Party, former Never Trumper here. Uh, I agree with you more than I disagree with you, but today you almost made me get in a car wreck. Uh-oh. Um, I got in the jam, and I turned on the radio, and if I heard you correctly, you said the deficit or the national debt was becoming a big deal.
0: Uh, I mean, I think it has been, but for Republicans in Congress, they're now starting to complain about it for the first time in a while.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think I'm two years older than you. I've been hearing about this deficit stuff since, since the '80s. Um, when the Tea Party came in, nothing happened, and I believe it was Mitch McConnell who said that you know, when the Republicans are out of power, they're the conservative party. When the Republicans are in power, there is no conservative party. Yep. You mentioned yourself how Trump is, um, is doubling the debt or nas- or increasing the national debt. But Trump never ran as a fiscal conservative. Nope, you're right. He was not. Yep. Uh, Why? Because I maintain there's no appetite for reducing the national debt politically within our culture. I agree. So, when you say the national debt is becoming a big deal, to whom, sir?
0: Yes. Um, It is to Republicans in Congress who have spent like drunken sailors, no offense to drunken sailors, for the past two years. And now suddenly they're thinking, um, when are we going to start reining this in? Uh, they've got Mulvaney, Mick Mulvaney now, who has been probably the only person in Washington for the past two years. He and his uh, deputy, Russ Vogt, who's a dear friend of mine, they're about the only two people in Washington who have cared for the last two years about spending in Washington. Uh, and now suddenly, as the Republicans lose the House, these Republicans are starting to say, oh, hey, we got a spending problem. and And, you know, they actually do. Now, there are a lot of people I know, and you probably know the, the, the same people, John, and they say, well, it's not really a big deal. We can grow our way out of, out of the national debt issues. Here's a problem we have for the first time. Well, we don't have it yet, but if the projections hold, and it looks like they will because of economic slowdown, by June of next year, we will have a huge problem. And that is for the very first time, the payments on interest on the national debt will exceed every other portion of the federal budget. Um, That then gives us less and less wiggle room, particularly as China and Russia began to expand their military presence um, nationwide. That that becomes a real problem with the interest payments that we're going to have because we've got to pay Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. That gives us no wiggle room. And we got to have a national defense structure. Well, the interest payments are going to exceed all of that. That's going to be really, really, really problematic. That's why Mike McMullen, or Mike Mullen, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, at the end of the Bush term and the beginning of the Obama term, said the debt was a national security issue, and now it, it really is becoming one by June of next year. So we've got a real debt problem in the country, and... The one of the other issues is, I mean, for example, I'm 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 seeing people on social media right now saying, well, you know, the president withdrawing from Syria, we're saving that money, and because we're saving that money, we can go to the deficit. Now, first of all, you need to understand the debt and the deficit. Um, the deficit is the annual shortfall between revenue and expenditure. So, if we spend a hundred dollars, or if we bring in a hundred dollars and we spend $1,000, well, then our deficit is $900 because our expenditures have exceeded our revenue by $900. At the end of the year, if we haven't made up that shortfall in the deficit, that rolls over into the national debt, and it compiles every year and grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I'm seeing people on social media today saying that, hey, the president's just going to save us money by withdrawing from Syria. We're going to take that money, and we're going to apply it elsewhere except if you've tuned in from the first hour that's not what's going to happen they're going to take that money and add it to the foreign um the 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 the, uh, foreign aid budget for central america the the money's already spent so we're not actually paying down the debt or the deficit by withdrawing from syria we're just moving that money elsewhere we have a real problem with debt and it has been horrifying Uh, you know, John said he was, he was in the Tea Party. It's been horrifying to watch these Republicans who screamed and clamored and complained that Barack Obama was, was spending as much as he was and adding to the national debt every year. We're now over $21 trillion. He added more to the national debt than all other presidents combined. Barack Obama did. We've got to figure out a way to start paying on that debt it becomes a national security issue. It puts China at an economic advantage over us. I mean, we're doing nothing but helping China in this situation. And the Republicans have one to do anything. And all the Democrats want to do is raise taxes. That's it. That's their only solution. You know, we could raise taxes. We could take 100% of everybody's income. And we would not be able to meaningfully close the deficit, let alone the national debt we got to cut. we got a spending problem, not a revenue problem. The question is, what are we going to cut? And I don't know that we're going to cut anything. And, I mean, just take the serious situation. We're not saving money by by moving out of Syria. We're just spending that money elsewhere. This is a real long-term problem for us, and it's becoming an immediate problem as we finally get to the point people have been warning about for 20 years where the interest on the debt... Is going to exceed everything else in the budget. It is 25 after the hour, and uh, back to the phones we go 404 872 750 1800 WSB Talk. Alan in Sandy Springs, welcome.
1: Hey, Eric, thanks for having me on. Great show tonight, and you were spot on on your points a while ago, but. I've got a little different take on Syria I wanted to get your opinion on, and basically two things I wanted to bring to the table. The first one, with regards to the pullout in Syria, I believe some of that money may eventually be used to build the wall, because I've heard overtones that military funds may be used to build the wall uh, down on the border with Mexico. So I think that's a possibility. And the other thing I want to touch on with the Federal Reserve rate hike today Uh, That is also going to impede America's ability to service its debt. It's going to make servicing that debt that much more expensive. And I honestly believe with the rate hike today and the announcement today on the pullout in Syria, I don't think those two are disconnected. I think they happened for a reason, and one led to another. What do you think?
0: Well, I I don't think that the rate hike led to the Syrian situation because the president did not know about the rate hike and had made the decision before the rate hike coming. Legally, the president's not allowed to know uh, that the rate hike is coming until the Fed raises the rate uh, and makes it public. So I I don't think they're related. Uh, I will say this, though. I am old enough to remember when Republicans were outraged when our credit rating fell. Remember that? Our credit rating fell. Republicans were outraged. Blame Barack Obama. Uh, The establishment blamed conservatives because of dysfunction in Washington. So we're already paying uh, more interest on our debt than we would if we went back to an A rating. President Trump, uh, that was one of the things he blasted Barack Obama for was the loss of our credit rating. We probably need to be working on getting that back because the lower credit rating for the nation makes everything more expensive. Now, as far as using the money to fund the wall, it sounds like a, a good and plausible idea, except they're already spending it and then some now on the foreign aid package to Central America. Uh, you know, I've had several people I, I've seen on Twitter more than once say, hey, I thought you wanted this. Well, yeah, I, I want us to increase foreign aid and spend it wisely, particularly on military ventures to help solve the problems causing people to flee. But not $10 billion worth. And I've also said we do need to build the wall at least make a down payment on the wall. To spend double the cost of the wall on this foreign aid package without building the wall, I think is insane. The president to bail on I mean, the president could have this fight right now. The reality is there are members of Congress. The president is has made them so mad, Republican members, they're not going to fund his wall. So maybe it makes sense to hold over until next year. But to give twice the amount of the cost of the wall to Central America without ever even beginning the wall is nuts. More of this and your phone calls when we come back. It's 40 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson here on WSB. It's going to be miserable tomorrow. And it's not going to be just rain and cold. It's also going to be fog. So please stick with us here at WSB. We will get you home uh, as best we can with our triple team traffic and Kurt Melch's weather forecast. Uh, far more accurate than what you're going to get most place other places. So just... Be prepared for the bad weather tomorrow, and be with us as we try to help you get to work and home. Let's go back to the phones four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk Bob in Buford. Welcome. Hi Eric. Hi there. My
1: question, my question is, is the uh, Bill Clinton administration the only administration in recent memory to run a balanced budget? Is that because of trickle-down tax cut policies put in place by Ronald Reagan? Or is it because, as some Democrats claim, that George H.W. Bush unexpectedly raised taxes?
0: I would say uh, the George H.W. Bush tax increase uh, did increase revenue a little bit. Uh, But it could not have happened but for Ronald Reagan altering the economic landscape in the country. You know, people forget that before Reagan was president, the... Top income tax rate in this country was 70%. Literally, it was 70%. Uh, and he lowered the the top income tax rate to 28% and wound up a escal- increasing it in 1986. And then George H.W. Bush, of course, increased a little more. Uh, but Bill Clinton and the Republicans, Newt Gingrich has a lot to do with this, actually overall cut a major uh, tax revamp in the 1990s where they revamped the tax code, they adjusted uh, the income tax, they cut spending significantly, and they wound up balancing the budget. It was actually, even with those, those tax increases, uh, even the Heritage Foundation notes, it wound up being a, a really good deal for the American public. And that is the last time we had a, a balanced budget. And it was a balanced budget over 10 years, and they didn't stick with the budget framework There was a recession several years later, but yeah, for two years in the late 90s, we had a balanced budget and we actually had a good economy and we haven't had a balanced budget since and Republicans should be pushing for one and they won't. And you know who has had a really good balanced budget plan? Mick Mulvaney. Basically, you could balance the federal budget if you just didn't do any spending increases over the next five years. Spend exactly what we're spending today. Just don't increase it over the next five years. You can get to a balanced budget. And they don't even want to do that. Janet in Taco Hills, welcome.
1: Hi there. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, Something I've wondered about, why can't we put a surcharge on, you know, people come up here illegally, they work, they inevitably send money back to their home countries in Mexico, you know, um, Central and South America. We could make them pay for the wall if we put a surcharge, say, you know, on amounts up to $10,000 because they're probably not going to send more than that in one lump and put a surcharge on it and, and dedicate that money towards paying for the wall because they'd be paying for it.
0: Yeah. You, you know, Congress proposed legislation. What on earth? Um, Congress proposed legislation in two thousand fifteen. I was looking it up and apparently fired up some sounds on this website I'm checking out to, to get the answer. Um, Congress did propose it, but it never got passed. Congress proposed in 2017, a 2% tax on remittances to Latin American countries, including Mexico, Brazil, Honduras, and El Salvador. Uh, and the president had suggested that we do that to pay for the wall, but Congress never actually passed that, uh, those taxes and Congress would have to do that. And Congress is not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to get Republicans in Congress to raise taxes. And the Democrats certainly aren't going to tax wire transfers uh, to Mexico. So anyway, to the phones again we go. Gene in Kennesaw, you are next. Welcome. Hey, buddy.
1: How are you? Nice to listen to your show. Thanks Um, very much. How did we – I've had to rephrase my question. How did we go from arguing over funding a wall – so we're going to give ten point four billion dollars to the Mexican authorities <laughs> to do whatever they say. Yeah, where did that come from?
0: Um, this was the, the the plan hatched by uh, congressional Republicans and the administration to try to get the Democrats to go along with keeping the government open. Um, you know, if if I have to, if I got to play political analyst here for a minute, uh, and and saying? people don't at me on this, don't yell at me, but Gene. The president's press conference with Nancy and, and Chuck, where we all cheered it on and said, you know, this is awesome. He's uh, g- giving him the business and tell him he's OK with the shutdown and he'll take the credit for it because he wants to build the wall. The Republicans convinced him it was a strategic mistake and that he needed to get out of it. And so the way the president decided to get out of it was to give the Democrats 10 billion dollars. And what I suspect he's going to do is once we get back after the first of the year, say, "Okay, I gave you 10 billion dollars. Now you give me the wall and say, well, the Democrats aren't being reasonable and shut it down. I think that's the strategy. I don't think it's going to work. And the reason, Gene, I don't think it's going to work is because you've got too many Republicans in Congress who are actually opposed to the wall. Even among the Republicans who remain in Congress, not just the ones who got beat, there's not a significant appetite for the wall. They love to talk about the wall. They don't actually want to fund it. they think it's a waste of money. They think there are other ways to secure the border. Uh, and that's where we are. So yeah, uh, we get no wall, none. get no wall. and Mexico gets 10 billion dollars. The president cuts the best deals, you know he, he's a, he's a deal maker. He is a deal maker. y'all tired of all the winning. Here we go, folks. All 83 ethics complaints against Justice Brett Kavanaugh have been dismissed. That's right. You you know, basically um, liberals, progressive activists flooded the judicial system with ethics complaints against Brett Kavanaugh. And the federal judicial system has said, uh, you know what? Nope. Nope. We're throwing them all out. Um, There you have it. (laughs) I just, oh, the, the hurt over this, you know, I, so a a dear friend of mine, David French, uh, his wife, Nancy wrote an op-ed in the Washington post during the Kavanaugh hearings. And she said that if Brett Kavanaugh did what was claimed, then he was unfit to be on the Supreme court. Um, that you can't say it, this is fine um, and then put him on the Supreme Court if he was guilty. And she she said, if he's not, um, then he, put him on the Supreme Court. She's totally fine with Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Uh, and and she's also one of the people, I do believe Nancy decided that just based on the the testimony from the people against Brett Kavanaugh and whatnot, she didn't find him credible. But she'd put an op-ed in, don't stop saying people that if he did these things, he's qualified, because if he did these things, he's not. And she was torn up by a number of people. And in her piece, she said when she was 12, she was molested by her pastor. Her pastor offered to drive her home one night from vacation Bible school and then uh, proceeded to molest her. And she spent years blaming herself for this before recognizing it wasn't her fault. And... It was shocking to see the people attack her and one in particular um, started attacking her claiming that uh, she had asked for it or it was consensual when it wasn't and picked up those attacks again very recently and David French finally had, had enough and, and called the person out for it and it's just it's just an awful reminder of of how divisive that hearing was and and people attacking good people like Nancy French who just Voiced an opinion and, and actually supported Kavanaugh. Man, it's just it, it's it's amazing how particularly some of the 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 far left and a lot of the president's own strongest supporters are their own worst enemies, and undermine wooing people to their side. I mean, the president could have a larger coalition right now if he didn't have so many vocal supporters who were just so nasty to everyone who isn't towing the party line. And the president himself can be his own worst enemy as well. I mean, look at this, this stuff today with Syria and getting rid of the sanctions on the Russian oligarchs. The only only people who are happy today are the Russians. And it's just going to give rise to people saying, look, look, he's, he's he's planning on leaving and he's giving Russia as, as much as they can because, you know, Chris Matthews is out there saying that the president's going to resign any day now. I I, I don't believe it. Uh, it's just it, it, it forces new cycles that... Didn't have to be forced, which is unfortunate, but you know what? Um, The president, maybe he did the Syria thing. Think people, people would stop talking about the wall and they're not, Uh, they're blasting him on the wall too. I don't know. What I do know is I'm out of here. I will be back for the Christmas program. And if you want a copy of it, you can text the word show to four, 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 nine, 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 We will be putting it up as a podcast for the show. We got to cut out some of the music from it uh, because of copyright streaming laws. But nonetheless, it'll be there. And I will be back January 3rd at a new time, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. starting January 3rd. In the meantime, you guys have a merry, merry Christmas and a wonderful, happy new year. I'll talk to you in the new year.